It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Golic and Smetty here. Oh, no. There's a place for cheese and it's not dessert. Welcome to another episode of Golic and Smetty. I am Mike Golic Sr. She is Jessica Smetana. And we are coming at you and still in the NBA Finals because, as we said, it lasts for a year and a half. We have, as the taping of this is going on, we have just finished Game 5, which means only about another month to go. (laughs) Um, As as Golden State actually wins back-to-back games, uh, they win by 10 on – on Monday night to take a three game to two lead on Boston as a series goes back to Boston for game six. If nothing else, Jess, I'm just, I'm just hoping we get seven games, you know, because right now you have what a 12 point win, a, a smoking, I mean, a 12 and a 19 point win, 16 point win, 10 point win and 10 point win. So, you know, I'm waiting for this last second shot win or something to come down at the end. We haven't gotten that yet. But if we get seven games, hopefully we will. But kudos to Golden State at home when neither team could hit a three, except Boston started hitting them in the second half after I think starting out 0 for 12. But Steph Curry and Golden State, I think they were 9 of 40. It was, it was horrific. Steph not, not being the offensive firepower he was. Kudos to Andrew Wiggins. You know, and Stan Van, or I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff Van Gundy said it on the broadcast. He said, Wiggins has got to be aggressive. I mean, as soon as he said that, almost the words were out of his mouth, Wiggins drove the lane and got an and one. And he was a leading scorer for Golden State. So he stepped up, helped Golden State get the win on their home court to take that lead going back to Boston. But I got to figure Golden State, without Steph Curry playing well like he did in game five when he had 43 points, now he's going to be ticked off he missed so many threes, going back and maybe being able to close it out on Boston's home floor. Yeah, like you said, nine for 40 from deep, which is like just so bad. Mike, I wonder, I know you were joking about there being a month until the next game. The next game's Thursday night, game six, and then game seven would be Sunday. But do you think there's any way that these long breaks between games is causing the players to get a little cold? Like, you know, they're not in like a game rhythm. They're taking more days off in between games. Is there anything to that? Because like there was some bad shooting, bad turnovers. It just looked like both teams were not like in the zone they're, they're, at, you at know, the start of the game. I, I think it's a fair question to ask. It's a sport they're used to playing a lot sooner than that, right? And but but it's also athletes can use anything they want. If they have a long layoff, people say, Oh, you're rusty. They say, Oh no, we got people healthy. 
or you don't have a long layoff, even though we have people hurt, oh, we can stay in our group. They can make it fit mm-hmm. what, yeah, it's whatever the, it's they the want. Old, it's the old rust versus rest it, argument. Exactly. And you get it, that a lot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes. You know? It's like the team that finishes, the team that sweeps the team versus the team that goes to seven. Are you are you in a better rhythm if you make it to seven games, or are you just exhausted when you get to the next game one? Exactly right. And by the way, looking forward to that uh, Tampa Bay and Colorado. Tampa Bay, it's stunning, can win three in a row. I mean, Ugh, it's just stunning. They're so good. I hate it. You're not a big fan of that, huh? I mean, look, I I grew up a Blackhawks fan. The Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups when I was like in high school through college. So I I was on the other side of that. Everyone hated the Blackhawks because they just kept winning and they had that solid core on their team. So I get it. But then that gives me the right to hate the next dynasty that comes along. And the Blackhawks actually beat the Lightning with Steven Stamkos in 2015 in the Stanley Cup playoff finals. Um, so that that almost became another lightning right. championship. This team has been good for a very, very long time. They're not does not look like they're close to to giving that up. Incredible. Yet. And, and to me, there's nothing like play overtime and playoff hockey. So you know, we've been getting some good games in in uh, in the playoffs there. Some obviously not so, but some good. So again, for the NBA, where I'm, I'm hoping hoping actually Boston wins this to go seven. I don't have a, I don't have a, a horse in this race at all. Neither I just, do I. Yeah. I, wanna I just see- want to, I want to watch good basketball. Yes. And also I want to watch good basketball before my bedtime, because Mike, if I'm being good honest, luck. I have not stayed awake for the end of any of these games. I've woken up the next morning. I mean, you know, the, the life of an early radio show producer, uh, talent, whatever, like you can't stay up till midnight watching these games and then get up the next morning at like 5 a.m. It's just not going to happen. So Mike now, my son doing his, his show Gojo for, for DraftKings, he does a show every day and that's what he has to do. He has to stay up till after the game for him and and uh, and Brandon, who who is his producer and goes on air with him as well, Brandon Newman. They have to wait till after. So it's late. I mean, I'm with you. Nine o'clock starts. Hated it absolutely hated it when i was doing the show crazy but hopefully we'll get you know a good game uh we'll see hopefully it goes game seven it would be back in golden state and maybe we'll get a close one we'll have to uh we'll have to wait and see on that one thing i definitely wanted to touch on with you congrats on the new the f1 uh pod you're going to be doing thank you very cool as as again i've been getting uh into uh the f1 this year and the race Last week, tough for Ferrari. I heard your minute. On, well, I watched it too, but I like listening to your minute uh, <laughs> with Dan and Stu. Um, but uh, tough, tough road for Ferrari in this one. Verstappen doing Verstappen things. That's what he does. Um, but I, I, you had you had Lando Norris on. So again, mm-hmm. I've gotten to know a lot of these guys with Drive to Survive. So I start to recognize them more you know, the drivers and, and the chairmans and stuff like that. So it, it definitely adds a little bit more when I actually see these guys at live races. Yeah, well, we had we had Lando Norris on the Levitard show last Friday, and he was awesome. It was, Mike, you know, you know what it's like sometimes getting guests on Zoom where they'll bring in like a PR person right. that's going to make sure everything's set up. And then like the person you're interviewing comes in the Zoom afterwards and joins and everyone's like, oh, there they are. So like, Lando had like several PR people. There was a Formula One person there. There was a McLaren person there. And then there was this other PR person there. Like it was, we were joking in the producer's room. We were like, this is like, I think, I think Mike Ryan actually walked in and said, I think Joe Biden had fewer people with him last night on (laughs) camera because there was like a whole, you know, group of people setting up this interview for him. And then he shows up and I almost screamed because I was so excited. We've been trying to get 
a Formula One driver on the show for like months. So they are hard to track down. They're also always in weird, you know, different time zones, right, way right. off of Eastern time. So it was very, very exciting. I actually had to even wake up even earlier than usual to go in for that. That's how important it was. There you go. And I hate, I hate setting my alarm back earlier than it has to be. So it was very exciting having him on. And yeah, he ended up, I think, finishing P nine in the race this weekend. Um, so he had a decent race, but him and his teammate were kind of battling it out, trying to pass each other the whole time with uh, him and Daniel Ricardo. So yeah, it was, it was great having him on. Hopefully we'll, we can get Daniel Ricardo next or anyone really. I'll take any form. Well, Ricardo, what all a, pretty interesting. Ricardo, he is. Ricardo is such a personality too. I mean, that dude, that dude has not passed a mirror. He hasn't looked in for sure. <laughs> Uh, 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 but, but he's got a great personality as well. The one thing, not, not Ricardo, but when you had Lando on some of these other guys, they look like they're 10. I mean, yeah, Lando look, I mean, Lando was 19, I believe when he started driving in formula one, which is crazy. Yeah. But there's actually Mike, there's pictures of him from his karting career, I think with Max Verstappen and they both are I mean, Verstappen is, I think only 23 or 24 right now. They both look like such babies. It is so funny just to see these pictures and they're driving these tiny carts around these tracks. But yeah, he is, he is definitely, I think one of the youngest, if not like second or third youngest guys on the grid right now, which is, you know, why I wanted to talk to him because you know i'm i'm young too you're young of. too and i'm, I'm old i get it i get it jess <laughs> i'm old you're young we can keep stamping that he's also mike he's big into the formula one gaming and i don't know if you're a, a video game person or not but not the anymore, formula no. one video game is so hard to play and they're actually coming out with a new formula one game right now called f1 manager where you can like manage a team and, and <laughs> decide on like instead of like dr just driving the car you're like when should we pit? What kind of upgrades do we need to make to our car? So it's like way more technical. I think it sounds kind of cool. It sounds like something that if I played when I was like, you know, eight or nine years old, I'd be like, wow, I want to be an engineer instead of like, wow, I want to host a sports podcast. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited. I want to play it. Well, and listen, video games today are a little different. Amazing. Than when yes. I was growing up and it was Pong, you know, just a right, little bit right. different. All you kids out there, look up Pong and you'll know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> it was cool. You had him on. He's sitting, I think, what he's sitting seventh in the overall driver standings right now. Uh, Verstappen and Checo are one, two here. Russell, yeah. you know, from uh, has a chance to um, uh, catch Leclerc, maybe. I don't know. Leclerc hey, yeah. third on Depending the on what happens with the with the Ferrari the rest of the season. But George Russell has been Mr. Consistency yeah. this season. He has not finished below uh, P5. Yeah. I don't know, Mike, one question for you. I don't know if you watched the whole race, but uh, Lewis Hamilton was just like bouncing up and down the whole time, porpoising in his car. And he was complaining about his back hurting. <laughs> you think? You know, at one point, he he said that his seat had gone cold, and and there was speculation that maybe like his his ass just went numb. Yeah, from, from listen, his back bouncing around. I, I saw you you tweet about that, and I answered. I said, you know, that seems to be the word of the day as we're hearing his porpoise ass. Oh, porpoise, porpoise, right. oh, ass. Well, ass could be too, <laughs> but porpoise. These these cars on the straightaway just bouncing up and down at that speed. It's got to be brutal. Yeah, it's yeah. got to take a little bit of an effect, but it's kind of seems to have been that way with Hamilton and that car for the year. It'll be interesting oh, what yeah. happens next year with him and the type of car they can get him in. But how, you know what? I don't know. How many more races are left? Uh, I want to say like 15 or 16. I can't know. I don't remember off the top of my head, oh, but so I there's think there's 22 okay. total. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. There's usually like a three week break in August and then they come back and do some of the races in North America. There's a race in Japan this year. Um, 
and then the, the end of the season is I think November 20th in Abu Dhabi. But yeah, Mike, I, the, the back stuff is concerning because backs are something that you don't think about at all in your, you know, teens and twenties and maybe even in your thirties. And then like, I've heard, I heard that one day you just wake up and suddenly you realize you have a back and then like the rest of your life is just managing your back and how your back feels. Is that accurate? You are so young. Yes. You're just so young. <laughs> you have you have so many great things to look forward to. Bad back being one of them. Yes, yes. That's what happens. What 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 we fail to do as we get older, we fail to stretch as much as we need. Our mm -hmm. metabolism slows down. The body changes a little bit. You don't stretch like you need, and before you know it, you're waking up going, "Oh shit, my back hurts." And you spend you know the first hour getting up trying to make sure you can walk straight. So. Good luck with that down the road. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not looking forward to it. No, no, it's not something to look <laughs> forward to. But we will look forward to your uh, your your podcast, your F1 podcast. That's very cool. And uh, hopefully more drivers you get on there and the rest of the season. So one other thing we, we had out there that, that just started was, you know, you don't, you don't see a ton of it. You don't see a ton of controversy in golf, um, you know, the gentleman's game. Uh, but 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 here here we did with with the live golf uh, backed by the Saudi Saudi Arabia had their first tournament in London where I think there's 48 golfers and last place gets you one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in first place was Schwarzel. I think he got four million dollars. So we know a lot of it's the money. We've talked about this already of why guys have gone given their reasons. But we know it's really about the money. But I thought what was interesting is. Rory McIlroy, who, by the way, is just a crowd favorite everywhere. He just seems mm -hmm. like such a likable guy. Wins a Canadian Open for the second year in a row. And by the way, I don't know if you watched any of it, but you know at the Waste Management in Phoenix where the 16th hole has all the crazies? Oh, yeah. That yeah. Canadian Open, they get going, man. There was a lot of young people there. It was packed. People were slamming beers. I mean, it looked like it was a hell of a lot of fun. And we know that Canadian beer can be a little more potent than the American. I've never wait. I've never heard that before. Is that true? Oh yeah, it definitely is. When my really? father, when my father played in the Canadian Football League, this is in the fifties. At halftime, they had beer in the locker room. At halftime, they they would drink beer. But yes, Canadian beers. Now there are others. We've American beer has been made a little stronger as well. But yes, Canadian beer can be pretty potent. Uh, I had no well. idea about they, this. They were having a ball. It was a younger crowd. They were having a ball. Rory gets a win back to back there. But it, it was his comments afterward um, when, when he was being interviewed. One of the first things he said was, was uh, it was my 21st PGA victory, one more than some other guy. And the other guy he was talking about was Greg Norman, who is heading up the live uh, uh, tournaments for, for again back by the Saudi Arabia back by Saudi Arabia he has 20 PGA tour wins and this was Rory's 21st and he made sure to make note that he had one more win uh than Greg Norman and he also uh talked about the golfers taking the easy way out who are involved in the live, live tournaments as well so there seems to be a little bit of bad blood going back and forth I have a feeling this is all going to die down at some point we're right in the beginning of it I mean, listen, we went through the whole thing where the NBA and they're dealing with China and when China's, you know, um, human rights and what they went through and such. And everybody made a big thing of it. Now, nobody really says anything about it. it, it you just have a feeling that this is kind of going to go the same way. There's going to be this uproar in the beginning. 
and then it's maybe going to go away. We'll see though. We're only in the first week of it and, yeah. uh, and Rory already kind of, kind of chirping a bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting comparison because I think there, there's a few differences. Like the, this new golf league is actually backed by the government. Like you said, whereas like NBA's business dealings in China are, are not, it's not really like the same structure, right, right. but I do think like one thing that you said is true, which is that people who consume stories about it tend to get like fatigue about, yeah. you know, all of these problems and, and none of the problems that seem like they're things that people like you and me can even solve. Um, so I do think that like the novelty of this new, you know, league might, the, the stories might kind of stop, hap like stop being told, um, and people might stop consuming them. But Another example of this is we're talking about Formula One. Formula One raced last weekend in Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan is another country where they've been accused of sports washing too. They've hosted soccer matches, Formula One events, other sporting events, um, and there was a lot of publicity about it initially, and then slowly people stopped talking about it. And, and it seems like now there's not really a lot of coverage about that when um, you know, like the Formula One race comes around. But I do wonder, like what the actual product is, if the actual product is, is sustainable enough for people to remain interested in it when, with those, with those stories gone. Um, I didn't watch any of the tournament. I was not interested in, in watching it and it was not even on TV. It was, I think, streaming on YouTube this weekend. And I don't really know what kind of viewership it got. I don't know if it's a worthwhile uh, product to consume. I know that it's kind of set up differently than the PGA tour events that I'm used to watching. Um, but I think moving forward, that's going to be what determines whether or not this does kind of die down and people just stop paying attention to it. It's still going to happen whether or not people pay attention to it. Cause there's tons of money going into this right. thing for the next, I, I can't remember how many years they're invested in it, but, um, yeah, like you said, next weekend, or I guess this weekend is the U S open. So I think a lot of golf fans will be watching that and, and the PGA, suspended all of the players who are playing in the live tournament from PGA events. That doesn't include the U S open because the U S open is a major and it's, it's an open invitational. Yeah, it's U USGA by... actually none, right. Actually, the USGA. No, actually none of the majors are through the PGA. So, right. And, and at this point it looks like the majors are going to let these players uh, right. be involved, but I agree with you. It's like, because right now it is streaming. I, I didn't even try and look for it. Not going to lie because right. yeah. a, I wasn't that interested and B I have a hard time going through the streaming world. I need like your help, or <laughs> help to do that. But at some point we're going to find out what the numbers were, how many yeah. people watched, is there going to be interest or is it going to fade away or are more golfers name golfers forgetting guys. We don't know name golfers going to get involved in this right. and split from the PGA knowing they're going to be suspended. That's, that to me is going to be the interesting thing. So while week one was is in the books and Rory kind of kept it alive with chirping a little bit, which I think a lot of people. Yeah. And, and Rory winning too, yep. like, you know, and a, a golfer that people know and recognize and who a lot of people really like, probably one of the most popular golfers winning this event probably helped the PGA tour a lot this weekend. But yeah, I think his comments are interesting because I think he's very clearly planted his flag alongside the PGA tour. I think I, if you want to, you know, read more about this, I think Kevin Van Valkenburgs, he did a ESPN daily episode about it and also wrote a story about it and talked to some 
um, human rights activists and and wrote a, a really in-depth story with some some reporting. He was in London for the event, so I, I recommend that for people to read. If they want to learn more about the event last weekend, uh, the one that Mike and I both said we did not watch. Um, but yeah, the U.S. Open will be will be interesting because I it seems like a lot of people will be paying attention if if for anything else, just to see how the interpersonal dynamics play out now that all of this has been put out on the table. Next up on Golik and Smeddy, we are going to talk to Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles about Notre Dame's impressive win this weekend over Tennessee and their trip to the College World Series for the first time since 2002. So Trey will be joining us to talk about that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Trey, have you ever thought about what it would be like to start a, a podcast with your dad or like your friend's dad? Because that's been my the last three months of my life. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't, um, but... <laughs> I, it actually would be fun. Yeah. Some of my friends' dads are, uh, yeah, pretty funny. They'd be pretty good on podcasts, but, um, yeah, it's nothing I consider, but, um, but yeah, I'm sure you all have a great thing going here. The only problem Trey is like my daughter, cause she, she was the years of my daughter, 16 at, at Notre Dame and I was 85. So there's obviously a generation gap is I, I think, and she's very nice about it, but I think she, like holds her breath every time I start to talk. Hundred percent. Thinking yeah. I'm going to say something dumb or something she's going to have to correct. Like she's sitting there with her old man as well. I feel I put that fear in you, Jess, all the time. Do I? Sort of, but it is. It's your reputation, not mine, that's at stake. So you know, whatever you say is is whatever you want to say. But Trey, thank you for joining. Trey Mancini is on the Baltimore Orioles. He was a Notre Dame baseball player, which is why. We are having him on this week of all weeks because Notre Dame, for the first time in 20 years, has advanced to the College Baseball World Series in Omaha. So, Trey, my first question, were you watching all the games this weekend against Tennessee? Where were you watching them? And what was your excitement level for this Notre Dame-Tennessee series? 
Yeah, so we were in Kansas City this weekend, and our game times matched up pretty well with Notre Dame's. Um, oh. so, like our game started like an hour or two after theirs the whole weekend, so I got to see at least the beginning of the game. So during our games, I kind of would secretly like check um, and see what the score of the Notre Dame Tennessee game was. Um, but I knew that they had a tall task ahead of them. Tennessee um, was an absurdly good team this year. Um, there's no way around it. One of the best college baseball teams of all time. So they they had their work cut out for them. The NCAA gave them a very tough draw, but that didn't matter to them at all. I'm uh, you know so proud of them, and it's an incredible accomplishment. Um, when I was at Notre Dame, we just wanted to make it to a regional and that would have been an amazing year. And now the fact that they're going to Omaha, um, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around how quickly Ling Jarrett turned this program around. And there was definitely a sense from the Notre Dame players and fans that the, this team had been disrespected in, in the seating, right? Is that something that yes. you kind of felt talking to, to some of your former teammates? Definitely. Uh, last year, they were disrespected as well. Um, they didn't get a top eight national seed, and they should have. And they had to go to Mississippi State, who ended up winning the national championship um, for a super regional. So that was a really tough draw. This year, they got a really tough draw not hosting, um, having to travel. Um, they definitely deserved a top 16 seed. But at the same time, I think they were used to um, being a little disrespected and, and they kind of took that chip on their shoulder and, and played like it. Um, it. It was, it's been absolutely incredible to watch them all year. I had to, uh, I would call games, football games at Mississippi state and got, got, uh, heard the cowbells and we always made, Oh, the cowbells. When they played there, the baseball team last year, I got sick of the cowbells. I'll tell yeah, you that oh much. But what, what, yeah. what a great, in all honesty though, it, it is a great place where they have a game Mississippi state. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a, a venue uh, just like in Knoxville as well. And the difference of my sport and your sport, ours is one game at a time. Yours is goes in series. So after the first win, you know, they hang on for a couple run win, then get basically bludgeoned in the second yeah. game. What, what's the thought process there? It's different in football. You get bludgeoned in football and go play the same team again. You're like, Oh shit. <laughs> we're in trouble but in baseball the old adage is it true you're only as good as your your, your next starting pitcher absolutely like baseball is crazy where you can get absolutely blasted one day and then you come back the next day and the slate is wiped completely clean and and it's just a, a really funny game and and we've done it with the Orioles a lot this year um you know we we've had some games where we got beat pretty bad and we come back the next day and and win um you know and and you have to be able to to wash it and come back and act like the day before never happened good or bad um you know one day um doesn't necessarily need, lead into the next and and Notre Dame showed us that with their game three performance so I I'm wondering how you would have done the, the one dude for Tennessee that I think he topped out at one Oh three. Yeah. I mean, so let alone in, in major league baseball, where you're in right now, hitting something like that, go back to college years and have someone, was anybody rifling it that fast when you were at Notre Dame? Oh no, no. Um, there was one guy at Pitt actually. I remember their closer, his name's Ray black. He, he played in the majors a little bit. I actually faced him in the majors. Um, but he, I think he hit one Oh two against us one time, but I had never seen anything close to that. And the starting pitchers at Tennessee trotted out all weekend. We saw absolutely nothing like that when I was at in college. Um, those guys are all first round picks. Um, so that makes it even more impressive that that Notre Dame put up the performance they did because these kids, Tennessee was was throw was throwing out there every game. They were all incredible pitchers and they're gonna have great pro careers. 
So you said that when you were playing at Notre Dame, you were lucky. You felt like you were lucky if you even got in a regional. And now this team is is making it to the World Series. What do you think has changed in the only you know six six or seven years since you graduated in this program? Yeah, I, I just think it's the belief that um, they can compete with anybody in the country. Notre Dame's obviously a hard school to recruit guys to go play baseball. Um, I'm from Florida and. When I was in high school, I, I wanted to play for a Florida school. I really wanted to play for Florida State, Florida, Miami. Um, didn't get recruited or, or offered by any of them. And then Notre Dame came calling um, my senior year. And then I obviously fell in love with Notre Dame the second I stepped on campus. Um, but it's hard to get guys, especially from the South, to go up and, and play in South Bend. Because it's, as we all know, it is brutally cold up there in the winter. Um, we have to play <laughs> the first month of the season away from campus. And, um, you know, a lot of guys, especially guys from the South, are tempted to maybe stay home and play in a warmer weather school. So the fact that Link has been able to get all these, you know, guys with elite talent to, to go up to Notre Dame to play baseball is really incredible. So a lot of its talent level and then the culture just seems absolutely incredible, too. Um, the way that these guys all play together, um, it, it's been just so fun to watch. And there's just a belief that, that they can win it all. Do you think I, I'm always looking for like the angle where I can take credit for someone else's success? So do you think you can take any credit by being, you know, a major leaguer from Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame having a few major league players in the league right now? Like, can you guys take credit for this, for being like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, being successful? And then all these high school recruits being like, well, you know, Trey Mancini went to Notre Dame. He ended up in the major league. So I could do that. I could go that route. I wish I could, um, but I feel like a lot of schools can say that. A lot, a lot of schools probably have more guys in the majors than we do. Um, I, I did talk to the team on Zoom last year before their season, so I'd like to take maybe a little bit of credit, but um, but yeah, not too much. And then um, the only other thing I could take credit for was having Coach Ristano, the pitching coach, threw to me in the home run derby last year, too. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that pumped the guys up at all, but no, they, <laughs> it has nothing to do with us. It's all, it's all those guys on that team now. Um, they, they have just done such an incredible job and they've made all of us very proud to be Notre Dame baseball alumni, which, which I feel like hasn't always been the case. And, and along those lines, you know, when, when you talk about the next group, a lot of it is, you know, who's running the show. Uh, certainly, again, in my sport in football, it's that way, you know, Brian Kelly leaves and Marcus Freeman comes in. He's a great recruiter, though, and they're getting some great recruits. So with with, with Link, the, the, the coach now at Notre Dame, been there a couple of years, but he has those ties we know at Florida State. You know, is there is there that that fear that – and you can understand, listen, if, if that's someone's dream job, I have no idea if it is or not. Um, but is there that fear like, boy, they got things going well now, it would be a shame for that, for that to end. Yeah, there definitely is. And, and um, yeah, I, I have no idea what he's thinking, but he played at Florida State. It could be his dream job, and you never know that. And you can't fault somebody um, if that is their dream job. But, but, yeah, you would hope Notre Dame would do everything possible to keep him with, with what he's been able to do with that program in such a short amount of time. Um, but, but, yeah, that is kind of, I feel like, the elephant in the room right now a little bit, too. Yeah, you'd hate to see him go to Florida State and then start giving interviews about how great the cafeteria is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or start getting an accent like Brian Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> to go be by his family. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I guess try and get in the heads of these players uh, for the College World Series. Again, 
third time Notre Dame's been there, 20 years since they've been there last, of just just the thought process of going into the College World Series, a new experience for these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing where you enjoy winning your Super Regional and, and yeah, you bask in it for, for a few days, but then at the same time, you turn the page and, and you've got more work to do. And they've got a chance to win a national championship, which is crazy to say out loud, but but they really do. Um, and, and it's a wide open field. Any of these eight teams can can win this. So um, you obviously want to enjoy it, soak in the experience. But at the same time, um, when it gets close to game time, there there's a lot of work to do. I, I, I got to ask again, because I've been doing the football baseball thing. Were you at the, uh, did you go to the title game when my, when my boys were on a team, and we got smoked by Bale? Oh, or you or, yeah, it was my, my junior year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That season, you know, national title game aside, that season was still one of the best memories I've ever had that entire season, the Stanford goal line stand. Yeah. Um, we had some close games. I remember we had like a triple overtime victory against Pitt. Yeah. The first game against Purdue was a grind to win, but that team found a way to win. Um, and it's just something that I'm always going to remember, like to be at Notre Dame that season when they make the national championship game. Um, it, it was so cool. And I'll, I'll, yeah, that, that team made the school very proud that year, even though, yeah, Alabama, I mean, that was an NFL team. It played. I remember when they ran out of the tunnel, I was just like, holy shit, those guys are massive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I, I remember uh, the time in between the last game, the USC game, and the title game was 44 days where we were number one in the country, and it took all of four minutes for us to realize we weren't going to be number one in the country <laughs> after yeah. that game. Yeah. And I knew, I knew as a parent of two players on the team that I was contractually obligated to sit there the entire frigging game and yeah. watch that mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to maybe step out at halftime, but you gotta <laughs> I remember the first play of the game, too. We, we stuffed Eddie Lacy for yes. like a three-yard loss, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And then <laughs> I think they had a play-action pass for about 30 yards in this play. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, the, re- the reliving of it. It took my son, I think, um, two years to watch that watch that game again and not, and not lose his freaking mind. Yeah, it's go. hard to do when you're a player and watch yeah. – kind of watch a game like that this is why as notre dame fans though we all have to be really obnoxious when there is a successful team ah, to absolutely. brag about we have, we have to you're whether, yeah, yes so whether it's baseball women's basketball soccer it doesn't matter like the fencing it, team makes us proud every year yes every exactly. year exactly <laughs> light up the number one on yep. grace hall for the fencing team <laughs> all right so trey let's jump into this year where you are listen if from from your career and then and, and dealing obviously with cancer the way you did and coming back from that. I mean, I know you've talked about it time and time again, but just, just that trip to where you are right now. Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute whirlwind and it, it definitely took me a while to get to this point and like how I've been feeling this year. Um, yeah, 2019, I had a career year and, and was really on top of the world. And then a year after that, I, I was diagnosed with cancer in spring training and and had to undergo six months of chemotherapy, missed the whole year. And I came back last year very quickly for what I went through. Um, I didn't have a ton of time to prepare from the end of chemo till the season, um, almost more so mentally than physically. Um, physically, I did get tired, but um, I kind of use baseball as an outlet, I would say, to stick it to cancer and, and act like nothing happened. And I wanted to prove that I was the same player that I was in 2019. 
Um, but that wasn't fair to myself. And, and um, me using baseball as an outlet kind of turned me into a head case at times, I think. Um, you know, I, I would, it was just a huge roller coaster of a, of a year for me, um, and, and rightfully so. But I definitely took this past off season to get my head back on straight, accept everything that happened to me and, and really try to move forward. And time helps with that too. I'm, I'm over two years now, um, you know, since, since I was diagnosed in my surgery and, and everything like that. So I definitely am in a much better mental mindset, but I knew this off season, I needed to um, kind of put that all in the past and, and move forward and, not treat every baseball game like it's a life or death situation because I had actually been in a life and death situation. And, um, you know, I would be remiss to not get perspective from that. And, and I think I've done a pretty good job this year of staying a little more even keel and consistent. Um, so, so that's something that I'm, I'm proud of that, that I've been doing this year much better. So you were called up to the Orioles in 2016 and had several years with the team before the cancer diagnosis and then before coming back. So now you've been in the majors for a while and your team is pretty young. How have you kind of found yourself in maybe a changing role with the team? Do you feel like you have more kind of experience and perspective than some of the younger players? And do you, I don't know, does that change at all the way that you interact with some of the younger players? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was actually kind of thrown into that role even like three years ago, even though I was still kind of a younger guy compared to the league average age. But now I'm 30. So um, with a three in front of your age, you definitely <laughs> you're legit. Um, you know, you're a legit vet at that point. So um, I've definitely bought into that role. I try to help all these guys because we've had a lot of guys make their debut this year. So I want to make them feel comfortable and and because it can be intimidating when you get promoted to the majors, you're playing in front of 40 something thousand people. Um, but it, it's really exciting to see a lot of these guys come up, make their debuts, and they're all doing a great job too. So, um, you know, I'm happy to help them in whatever way I can, even, you know, our, the retirement plan that the MLB has, a lot of guys will ask me um, what they should do 401k and stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in all that. So I try to try to help them out in every facet of the game. Yeah, just so you know, in six months, I'll have a six in front of my name. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great milestone. Yeah, whatever. And yeah. I would not trust you with four hundred one k advice either. Yeah, uh, actually, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of experience at four hundred one k, a lot building up for sure. So uh, along those lines, Trey, how how has the game changed? As you say, you have a three in in, in front of your age right now. You guys just went through, you know, the, the, the work thing you went through. I've been through one of those as well. How has the game in your mind from when you got in to now, and now you're one of the, the uh, vet changed over these years? I think the pitching's gotten even that much better since I made my debut. Um, there's so much more information readily available to everybody. Um, and, and, teams know how to attack you. They know how to attack your weaknesses. So you have to stay disciplined and make adjustments. And, um, you know, the, these pitchers, they, they don't let up. They, they're throwing a lot more fastballs high in the zone, which are hard to catch up to. So you want to try to lay off that. And, and their breaking stuff is, is really nasty too. So I'd say overall, I've noticed the pitching has gotten better. And everybody's, I'd say like the league has gotten faster too. Um, you know, if you hit a ball to the outfield, um, 
you better crush it and, and smoke it because these guys track everything down too. So the league's gotten really athletic and, and the pitching gotten really good. That's a good thing to bring up because you have six home runs and I know you'd like a lot more. So saying the pitching is a lot better is a good way to, yeah, to handle yeah. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, the power has been kind of hard to come by this year. The, the ball's a little um, interesting. I'll say uh-huh. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ball's been a little interesting and then they moved our wall back at Camden. So that hasn't been a help either. So yeah, I, 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 Trey, I always wonder, listen, I talked about this for a couple of decades doing a show when there are home runs hit or not home runs hit in the ball. I mean, how, how do you, can you explain that a little bit when you, when you make that reference about the ball, because you know what the league says and, and then players say different things of just, just how you can tell a difference. Yeah, I can't speak on the ball itself, but they put humidors in every single park now. Um, so the humidor, um, the balls have to be stored in there for two weeks before they're used and it lessens the drag on them when you hit a fly ball. So I've noticed on balls that I hit to the opposite field, they're fading and dying rather than going over the fence. Um, Cause in the past, my power has mostly been to the opposite field actually. Right. And, and this year, all my home runs are pulled. So, so what I've noticed is, um, you know, the, the humidors for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's the way the ball, the way the ball spins when you hit it the opposite way, but it just kind of dies um, and, and hangs up in the air a little bit long. So it, it's been a little strange, but at the same time, you got to make adjustments. Um, you know, it is what it is. You can't um, sit and complain about it all year. And, and yeah. you know, you, you have to make adjustments and whether that's trying to hit more line drives, um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, there, there's things you can do to combat it. Can I just ask who the hell thinks of a humidor all of a sudden to say, we got to throw baseballs in something where I'm going to smoke a cigar out of. Yeah, I guess. I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a cigar tool. Um, but yeah, I guess the home run numbers were getting too crazy. And, and uh, there, there's been a big thing lately about the three true outcomes, which is home runs, strikeouts and walks. A lot of people thought that there was too much, of those and they wanted to combat that by having more balls in play um you know i can't say i agree with it but <laughs> what it is <laughs> if you were a pitcher you would agree right if it all depends pitcher, on the position, like right? yeah, yeah. If i was a pitcher i'd love all of it <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen i i have always said w- 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 there's another debate that always happens on shows the hardest thing to do in a sport i, I to this day and i still maintain it the hardest thing to do is is hit hit a major league baseball mm-hmm. i mean I, I just to to me i mean and everybody a lot of people disagree and i'd be like go stand in the batter's box and it doesn't it just have to be a hundred mile an hour fastball let him throw that hook on it it looks like it's going to hit you in the head and yeah. then drop down i mean do and i know you're in the sport and you you obviously know other sports but i i do you agree with that is that the hardest thing to do in a sport Definitely. And, and one of the hardest parts about baseball is you can be locked in for a long time. Um, you know, for the most part this year, I, f- I felt really good at the plate, felt in control. And we've been on a road trip um, so far in Kansas City and then yesterday in Toronto. And um, kind of at the snap of a finger, you can go from feeling really good to a little lost at the plate. And, and I kind of been going through that the last few days, um, no matter how good you're going or, or how good you feel, um, you know, you can you can um, definitely go through a, a quick <laughs> where you struggle a little bit. Like everybody's going to slump at some point. The best player in the world, Mike Trout just went through, just went through it himself. So 
um, you know, it's, it's kind of about grinding through it and, and staying the course. Um, it's so important because yeah, it, it can be tough. And, and like, like you said, these pitchers are, are absurdly good and, and hitting a baseball is hard enough as it is. Yeah. Going in a slump, forgetting the physical side, the mental side of that has to be just debilitating yeah, knowing how good of a player you, you can be. Uh, last one. I know you're from, from Winter Haven. Is there a, uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning rooting in this uh, Stanley Cup? Or you no, know, I, I wish I could. I'm not a bandwagon guy. Um, <laughs> you know, I wish I could hop on the bandwagon and say that I'm a huge fan, but but I'm not too much. Um, I, I follow hockey. I, I don't know if I'd say I have like a diehard team I'm a fan of. I'm actually a big Washington Commanders fan, um, you know, in football. My mom's from the D.C. area, so so that's my that's my team. Um, my other team in professional sports is the Commanders. So I, I want the Stanley Cup to go seven games. I'll say that. I want to, I think it's going to be a great series. Yeah, listen, there, there, there is – yeah, there's nothing better than than overtime hockey yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, that McKinnon dude is really legit yeah. on, the, on that. He's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have one more baseball question for you, not about your team, but there was a report uh, – you know, you mentioned Mike Trout, and the Angels have been struggling this season, and they they fired Joe Madden recently. And before they fired him, apparently he shaved his head and got a mohawk to kind of, like, invigorate the team. What What – does this make you sad? Is this funny? Like, what would you do as a player if if this happened to your manager? No, that makes me extremely sad. Um, I love the move from from Joe Madden doing that. Um, you know, to just try to keep it's a way to keep things loose. So like in baseball, we do weird things like that. Um, you know, it sounds silly for for a grown man to shave a, a mohawk into his head, but that's the things we do whenever we're slumping. Last year we had a 19 game losing streak, and I. I kept shaving my whole face every day, except for my mustache until we won a game. Um, you know, I made everybody look at the mustache every day because it was disgusting looking, but it's just kind of something that we do to keep things light in baseball. So I was really sad when I, when I heard this story and it made me feel even worse for him. Um, yeah, that, that was tough. You know, one, one of the things you guys play the most regular season game. So I, I, I just assume, and it's wrong to assume, do you have like, superstitions are wrong habits that you absolutely positively have to do every single game yeah I think it's really important to have a routine I try to keep my daily routine as close um as close as possible like every single day I try to do the same thing and and repeat uh, I think that's pretty important for baseball and it can get a little tedious at times and and um a little mundane but at the same time I think it's really important to have a routine and stick to it because like you said we play a 162 games in 185 days I think it is so it's really important to to have that routine and, and stay locked in every day so my, my routine a lot a lot of times is around food um so give me the best road post-game food buffet oh, oh the Yankees the Yankees have the best most incredible post-game spread every single night there they they bring the heat every night it is it is incredible it's like playing in New York is, is fun as it is. It's a great atmosphere. But when you know you have that postgame spread waiting for you, it just gets you excited towards the end of the game. It They do such a good job there. God, that's so impressive. We never got so anything good. like that. That is so cool. Oh, it's so good. Oh, wow. All right. I'm jealous. That's the way I'm ending. I'm jealous. <laughs> 
Well, Trey, we, we really appreciate the time. We really do. And best of luck the rest of the year. We know the home run numbers will get up or oh, yeah. you know, get those damn balls out of the humidors to, to help yeah. you out at some We point. need some more humidity on those balls. Yeah, we, we right definitely mic. do. I'm, uh, I don't know if you can tell my hands like massive right now. I swung at a pitch at my face last night, kind of like protecting myself. So I'm going to be out a few days, I think. Oh, oh, oh wow. man, that was really swollen. Okay. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's crazy. So See, there, there's something about that. Taking a taking a freaking baseball shot somewhere. Obviously, yeah. let, let, let's take away the head because we, we know how dangerous that could be. What's the worst? I keep saying we're done. I keep asking questions. What's the worst place <laughs> outside of the head? We'll forget that to get hit. Honestly, the shin. Like if you foul a ball off your shin, it is. Oh, it is bad. Anywhere on the leg, the calf too, because the calf will tighten up and you can't walk the next day. Oh. But at the same time, it's a muscular injury. So you're, you know, I'm like a hockey player, football player would play today. So I got to go try to trot out there. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I can't because my calf is bruised. The, the hand the hand seems pretty bad in terms of ability to do your job the next day too, right? Yeah, yeah. I keep just wearing it. I've been a magnet this year, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well whenever you get back uh, on the field uh best of luck and we, we all right thanks so much thanks all right Trey. thank you yes, all. thank you thanks, so much we appreciate it all right see y'all all right Jess. so good to talk to trey what what a, i mean what this guy has been through you know as he said having having a career year and then being diagnosed with cancer and having to deal with that and, and coming out you know winning that battle as well and now back on on the field you know Albeit in Baltimore, I know it's tough there uh, to, to to play from a team standpoint. Just uh, just just a heck of a guy, and boy, a proud alum at this point as Notre mm. Dame baseball moves on to the College World Series. And and still taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on Golik and Smeddy to talk some college baseball. Uh, Mike, I'm excited for the next round of the of the baseball series. I don't understand how it works. Apparently, there's a round robin tournament. None of it makes sense to me. I understand. I, I don't even actually really understand why they're called regionals and then super regionals. Like, I feel like you could just add one after that and call it like a mega regional because the titles don't really matter. They don't make any sense to me. The only thing I, I've I've really dove into with college baseball, and now it's a lot more because Notre Dame is in it, is the fact when it ends, these guys probably have a couple of weeks and then they got to go back to school. <laughs> right. It's exactly. like they get it's no summer break at all. I mean, it's like when they were growing up and they play on the all-star teams and you play all summer long, except here they're playing for a college world series. They're like right back at school. It's, it's unbelievable, but I'm with you. I mean, I know we, we, we play Texas. Um, and then we go from there. I mean, uh, it was easy before you have a best of three, you know, yes. with Tennessee, take care of that and you move on. And now we'll see, but, Boy, the excitement that has to be uh, with that team right now. And again, as we mentioned with, with Trey, with, with Link Jarrett, the, 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 the coach, I mean, to stay there. He's been there a couple of years, helped turning that program around. Oh, we yeah, know he's a time. Florida State guy. And we know Florida State, you know, looking for, uh, for a coach. So uh, let, let's, let's hope uh, he stays with the Irish. Yeah, and hopefully someone will end up tweeting at me how the rest of the World Series works in plain English so I won't have to actually do any research on my own. Here's what will happen, Jess. The guy that's about to have a six in front of his age will figure it out for you, and I'll explain it to you. Oh, I would love for you to mansplain it to me. <laughs> I welcome it. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.